This is Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Primal Screen is about movies, from the ones on the big screen to the ones you stream. Hope you enjoy the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. Hello and welcome to Primal Screen, a Triple R film criticism show and podcast. And hullabaloo. I'm your host, Paul Anthony Nelson, and with my regular co-host, Flick Ford, unable to join us this week, I've had to call in reinforcements. Joining me in the actual studio is Will Cox. G'day. Returning to the show after Returning. a first appearance a few weeks ago, uh, or second appearance? Second, second a few yeah, weeks. Yeah. Second a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah this yeah, is yeah, your yeah. third. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a bit of um, bit of zoomage going on. Mm, a bit of voice of God echoing going on there for a second too, but that's good. That's, that's all fixed. Killer Carl Chapman gives me the thumbs up. And joining us via the magic of Zoom, making his primal screen debut, is critic and writer for the film experience, Glenn Dunks. Good evening, Paul. Good evening, Will. How is everyone? We're uh, we're great. Um, I'm 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 struggling with uh, COVID normal, you know, d- d- having to be out in the world. But other than that, I'm good. <laughs> we get screens. Going... You don't have to go to the cinema. It's fine. <laughs> that's, that's... I have to go into an office tomorrow uh, for only I think maybe the second time in six months. So don't this do will don't be do it. quite an experience. Call in sick. Uh, (laughs) So, we are returning to the world of new releases, all available to see in cinemas right now. First, we'll investigate a rolling cluster cuss of corruption and broken social systems in the aftermath of a deadly indoor fire in Romania in Alexander Nano's documentary collective. Uh, um, Then, we'll hop in an RV with Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci as a long-term couple facing mortality as one of them develops early-onset dementia in Harry McQueen's drama Supernova. And finally, we'll forego all dialogue, music and colour to follow pigs, cows and a one-legged chicken around various farms in Viktor Kosakovsky's documentary Gunda. Before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder that it's April Amnesty here at Triple R, our second biggest subscription drive of the year besides Radiothon, where we remind you all that it is you, our subscribers, who fund our station and keep us going. We're completely independent, a home for voices diverse, adventurous, or just plain quirky, and the only way we're able to do that is due to the fine people, pets, businesses, and organisations who subscribe to Triple R each year. Obviously, our subscriber base took a massive hit during 2020's COVID lockdowns, but we're crawling our way back. Last Radiothon was successful, but we're still a long way from full strength. So if you'd like to help Triple R remain on air for many years to come, head to rrr.org.au right now. Follow the links to subscribe or donate. But that's not all. If you subscribe during April Amnesty, you can go into the running for all sorts of awesome prizes, including one of two $100 vouchers for the Melbourne International Film Festival or a $250 voucher for Brunswick Bound to blow all on film books. Uh, so head to rrr.org.au to subscribe or donate during April Amnesty now. Triple R forever. Now it's time for the Primal Screen News Bulletin. For you. It's with great sadness and more than a little shock that we mourn the premature passing of British film, TV and stage actress Helen McCrory, 
who died over the weekend at the age of just 52 after a long but seemingly very private battle with cancer. After making her stage debut in 1990, McCrory made her film debut four years later with a small role as an ill-fated sex worker in Neil Jordan's Interview with the Vampire. Bit of a primal screen favourite around here. Uh, her most famous film roles included playing UK First Lady Cherie Blair in The Queen and The Special Relationship, Mama Jean Meliers in Martin Scorsese's Hugo, and, of course, Narcissa Malfoy in the last three Harry Potter films. She was originally cast uh, as Narcissa's wild card of a sister, Bellatrix Lestrange, in the, pre- in the Harry Potter film before those, but had to pull out uh, because she fell pregnant. On television, McCrory was perhaps most famous for her starring role as Romany crime family matriarch Polly Gray in Piggy Blinders, as well as her recurring role as medium Evelyn Poole in Penny Dreadful. But her greatest work was arguably done on stage, perhaps none more prominent than her powerful performance as Medea with the National Theatre in 2014, seen on big screens here in Australia as part of the National Theatre Live series. McCrory is survived by her husband, Homeland and Billions actor Damien Lewis, and their two children. Um, you guys are shocked by that as I was. I had no idea she was ill. No, I didn't know. No, it was yeah. Quite apparently, a surprise. apparently, it was kept super. They definitely uh, kept it kept it a secret. Uh, but uh, I, I, the the one memory I, I must say I'm not as familiar with her uh, resume as as others may be, uh, especially those who know her theatre career. But I, I do remember really enjoying her uh, in the Queen. Uh, as uh, Tony Blair's wife, um, played by Michael Sheen. Yes. Did I get that right? Yes. yes. Uh, I, I do remember her presence in that movie actually being quite significant, which was a feat considering <laughs> the performance at the centre of that movie. So, yeah, she'll, it'll definitely be a, uh, a loss for the acting community. Um, uh, I don't know if you have any memories of, of her work, Paul. Yeah, no, we're um, – my, my... – partner is actually a giant fan of hers. I just um, followed her career for years. There was the most recent thing. There was a, a, a rather good miniseries called Quiz, which was about the um, the what who's uh, the UK um, who wants to be a millionaire coughing scandal, and she plays a QC in the third part because essentially it, it sets it up like the first part is all about they're guilty, the second part is all about they're innocent, and the third part is all about the nature of truth, and it's all driven by her as a Q, as their the QC that's defending them, and she's fantastic, um, but yeah, she's she's a massive loss and far too young. Well. With cinemas open and life pretty much returning to pre-COVID normal of late, that means one thing for Melbourne, film festivals are back. The Fantastic Film Festival of Australia, or the FFFA, kicked off last Friday night with a screening of Prisoners of the Ghostland, which teams Nicolas Cage with Maverick Japanese director Cheyenne Sono. The festival runs from April 16 to May 1st, with a program of 23 weird, wonderful, provocative, hilarious and disturbing films from around the globe, like Gillian Wallace Horvat's I Blame Society, about an aspiring female filmmaker obsessed with planning the perfect murder, or director Zoe Whittock's Jumbo, which sees Portrait of a Lady on Fire's Noemi Merlant starting a romantic relationship with an amusement park ride, uh, or ultra-violent Taiwanese political satire, Get the Hell Out, or a 4K restoration screening of one of the darkest films you'll ever see, Elim Klimov's 1985 classic Come and See. You can scour the program and buy tickets at their website, fantasticfilmfestival.com.au. 
And it wouldn't be a month if Palace weren't already doing another national film festival. No sooner is the Alliance Francaise French Film Fest out the door than the Spanish Film Festival of Australia splashes into screens this Thursday, 22nd of April, running until the 9th of May. Showcasing 29 new films from Spain and Latin America, it opens with director Isia Bolan's comedy Rose's Wedding, about a woman who decides to marry herself after a life of putting everyone else first. Uh, the festival centerpiece film is While at War, the new film from Alejandro Amenabar, director of The Others and The Sea Inside. And the, fe- the festival also features Pablo Lorraine's Emma, the Argentinian comic caper film Heroic Losers, and uh, Latigo, a new documentary starring and directed by Simon Palomares, formerly of the comedy troupe Wogs Out of Work, as he visits his ancestral land of Cuba to explore its hidden but locally thriving comedy scene. You can explore this program and grab your tickets at their website, SpanishFilmFestival.com. Now, join us at the movies, if you please, for our first film of the week. Collective is the fourth documentary feature directed by Alexander Nano. When a fire roars out of control during a heavy metal concert in a Bucharest club without fire exits called Collective, 27 people are killed and 180 injured. The senseless negligence of the venue and health authorities leads citizens to angry protests in the streets, attracting the attention of the Gazeta Sportirilo, otherwise known as the Sporting Gazette, an independent Romanian newspaper specialising in sports coverage. But then survivors with both major and minor burns start dying in hospital. Lots of them. Soon the death toll is soared to 64. Something in this facility is killing the patients and the the paper's investigative reporters uncover pharmaceutical, administrative and parliamentary corruption leading to the highest levels. A new independent Minister of Health is sent in to clean up the mess and with him, the fire's survivors, the victims' families and the journalists were plunged into a bureaucratic nightmare of a country run by mobsters, bribes and violence, a nation so sick it's seemingly forgotten that things can be better. Will... Um, did this procedural search for the truth get under your skin like so many maggots in a hospital ward? Oh, my God. That is so grim. That is such a grim way to start. Yes. <laughs> yes, it did get under my skin. Like the Very unfortunate, with, with, the, with the maggots. <laughs> it's absolutely astounding. I haven't seen a documentary like it in a very long time. Um, it, it's interesting. The way you just introduced it made it sound very dramatic. Like a very, you know, roller coaster of drama, especially with that dramatic intro music mm. that we played as well. Whereas the it's the it's extremely restrained. Oh yeah. Um, I, I keep seeing it in uh, being compared to Spotlight as you know a, a film about journalism making this huge, uh, uh, causing this huge societal shift. But it's, or at least it's attempting to <laughs> attempting to. Well, it works to an extent, mm. you know. And it's 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 um things take years, as somebody pointed out in the film. Decades. Expect it to take decades more. But but um it, it's 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 more restrained than that. It's uh quite. I mean, you can't look away from it, but not in the sense that it's um gripping. Obviously, it is, but in the sense that it moves at such a clip that if you look away, you're going to miss significant amounts of this um you know uh, this this extremely complicated scandal um which uh, the subtitles certainly add to the difficulty of uh, <laughs> coming at you thick and blink, fast blink or you and you'll miss uh, a, a huge detail um it's yeah it, it's an absolutely amazing documentary i've seen it advertised actually 
Um, on the poster, there's a comment about how it's the best, uh, something to the to effect of it's the best film about contemporary America that you'll, that you'll ever yeah. see, which is strange because America is not mentioned even once. Mm. It's entirely about uh, political intrigue and corruption in, in Romania, but it's um, obviously extremely relevant to everybody. And particularly, I think that comment was made during the Trump administration as well. So there was that whole... Yeah. 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 A lot of cronyism, a lot of corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but I it... think it was I think it was very uh, well-timed considering the, the year we have had regarding public health and, a, and like hand sanitizer. Like, I never would have expected hand sanitizer to have been playing a dual substantive role in both human everyday life and also like you know one of the best documentaries of the year it's it's quite a it's a strange bit of parallel overlapping um uh yeah real life meets well i guess it's a documentary so it's you know real it's not even uh it's it's real life meeting real life uh in a way but i thought it was really really great but it feels it, it is extremely real you know, yes. but, it, but it's, it's, it feels probably more like a drama than most documentaries seem to manage, you know. Yeah, one thing I, as I was watching it, this, the thing I kept coming back to was it's sort of like its own version of true crime. Mm, mm. Uh, you know, we watch all, well, maybe some of us do uh, watch, <laughs> you know, we Guilty. sometimes binge those, you know, long uh, documentaries on Netflix, those true crime documentaries on, on Netflix or Prime or wherever it may be. And it can almost feel like this can't be real. Mm. But uh, but I thought the, the way this film did it, I'm not necessarily a fan of those Netflix productions, but this one felt extremely harrowing. Uh, extreme, like I felt like I was far more into this story uh, than I would normally get, uh, mm. which is no doubt helped by the fact that there's two there's these two separate storylines going mm. one is the newspaper investigation which uh as will mentioned you know it does sort of ring to ring true to spotlight uh but then it does also have the political side where you've got this health minister who is battling you know bureaucracy and corruption and then ultimately voter apathy mm. and it's sort of uh, to go back to the trump comment it's sort of it's quite easy to see the correlation where you, you know, you look at the American vote and you see that still 75 million people voted for the man. So uh, it's a, it's a film that yes, very well timed, but it makes really makes you sort of question just the pure mechanics of all these various different systems, not just in Romania, but, uh, but across the world. And while it's, I wouldn't call it a, um, it's not certainly not an entertaining film, but that use of the true crime sort of atmospherics to it just makes it really engrossing. Those Netflix uh, true yeah. crime series and well, Netflix they're everywhere now, but they <laughs> are very um, podcast inspired. You mm-hmm. know, podcasts yeah. have let, had a huge impact yeah, on definitely. how these narratives work, and this just completely forgets, ignores definitely. all of that. And, and cuts its own path. And there's a there's an ABC series that's on iView at the moment about the fire um, at Luna Park in the late seventies. Have either of you exposed? Exposed. Uh, yeah, it's the second season of of, of Exposed, which is yeah, it, it's very much a true crime story. It's beautifully told, but I think 
yeah, that that delayed gratification of of um, you will never guess what happened next kind of thing, which mm. maybe undercuts the severity of the situation, which this film just does not go in for any of that. It, it sounds um, uh, the the tone of it is 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 always grave. Um, yeah, but but it's and also because do- you can't you can't breathe for something happening next, yeah. like. Exactly. It's like well, it's almost like a John Grisham. You you you'd almost laugh at some mm. of these plot developments and, if and you there's... saw them in a Grisham movie mm. because you know it's all there's mobsters show up and there's maybe a you know a, a planned hit on somebody and it's like what is happening? Yes. Over and they there? even say that at the, near the beginning in the newsroom when they're discussing breaking the story for the first time, they're like they say. Well, are people going to believe us? This sounds outrageous, exactly. you know, and they're genuinely nervous crazy. that they might be given some false information. Um, exactly. But one uh, thing that I, one thing I, I, I uh, as a avid Oscar watcher myself, I uh, would be remiss to not mention that this uh, is only the second film uh, in history to be nominated for both best documentary feature as well as Best International Film following Honeyland last, last year. year. I, don't if, yeah. I don't know if either of you saw that one. It's The, the two films are, could not be more different, uh, I feel. <laughs> uh, but I think it really does show a... Uh, a I don't want to say that they're getting smarter over there in the Academy, but I feel like maybe it's, it's a good sign that now people aren't uh, just punting documentaries away to the side in their own one single category it, it this this film feels like cinema hmm. you know most of us uh, have probably watched it uh at least if we've seen it over the last uh six months since it's been making the festival circuit around the world uh virtual festival circuit i should say uh yeah we've been watching it on tv but i think it's actually an extremely cinematic film hmm. uh that the way it's edited is extraordinary and the access uh, I, that they get I, is incredible as well the access yeah, to to politics exactly. and to journalism the these things that you are usually behind closed doors um are just they unfold like a political thriller yeah it, and i think now as more people have access to documentaries and are watching documentaries and more people are making documentaries, there seems to be this, this need for documentary to sort of one up itself in terms of its craft. And in Mm. terms of, you know, movies like Dick Johnson is dead. uh, Those sort of films that really play with the form. This one doesn't necessarily do that. It's very, it's a, very, it feels very classic, but it sort of shows that uh, you you really don't need the bells and whistles to tell a great story because this one is uh, an incredible incredible great story, and I definitely I definitely uh, recommend it. Now, that's the thing. I've I've recently come off a couple of documentaries that I've found really disappointing that that started to get into this this recent track of feeling very staged and very reenacted, hmm. um, and even some documentaries that have been quite lauded. But this one here is such a great throwback to great investigative fly-on-the-wall um, procedural documentaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing. It's, it's funny you mentioned John Grisham, Glenn, because I describe this as a page-turner. Like, it is like a, a novel. It's like you cannot – because it, it's fairly – as you said, Will, it's fairly dry in construction in terms of, like, you're just watching Romanian journalists have conversations and, and, and you know, politicians give awkward press conferences and – um, and you know, like the uh, the journalist guy's a little salty at times, and you know, you, you get little moments of his reactions to things. But it's like watching as it goes on, 
the events are so constantly unfolding that you're like, it's like watching, for me, it felt like all the president's men unfolding in real time. Mm. And then a political drama like The West Wing, but if Josh Lyman was constantly stymied by bureaucracy, Fox News, and actual gangsters, um, this fly-on-the-wall account is just, it's upsetting, shocking, mordant, hopeful, and depressing. Um, Each new piece of information just piles upon this ever-expanding clusterfuck that not only defines Romania, but all nations where money, self-protection, and favour systems hold way over actual policies or citizens' lives. Mm. But in between all that, you just get these little human moments, Mm. very, very slight ones, because it doesn't... They're just in the gaps. They're not dwelled on at all. But my favourite is probably the, the replacement health minister who is brought in... This... By the way, the whole government collapses as partially as a result of this of this scandal, and they bring in a technocratic government to fill the gaps. You know, to 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 fill in until the next election. This replacement health minister is he looks like he's just out of uni. He's, <laughs> he's in his mid to late thirties. It's quite unbelievable to see how nervous he looks. And there's a there's a scene where he uh, a doctor is describing the enormity of the problem that they're facing in hospitals, and he just laughs just out of fear and overwhelmed panic. Mm. He just he just can't he just laughs, he just can't react any other way and the doctor just sort of uh more or less uh you know passes over that just like yes I know. Yeah, this is what it is. It's there are some dark laughs in this film. Like this one his first and I love this guy, this uh, minister Vlad, but he comes out at one moment he says uh like his his first press conference says hello, I am Vlad. Call me Vlad. And, and then this, the reporter refers to him and goes, well, Minister, I am Vlad's first press conference. was a bit of a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I one, – one little bit I, I really liked was um, when there's protests in the street and they are uh, uh, giving praise to the writers at this newspaper and they know them by name. Mm. Yes. And can you imagine chanting <laughs> a world name. in which the mainstream media, uh, we not only know them by name, but we are going to the street to, to celebrate them? And not only is it the mainstream media, but we get a quick glimpse at the cover of the newspaper at one point, and it's called the Sports Gazette, and it looks like the Herald Sun. It looks below, it looks sub-Herald Sun. Well, it's a sports newspaper. It looks like the Sun in the yeah. UK. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a... You know, it looks like a lowest common denominator tabloid, but it is doing the best work in the country. Which one uh, of the as far as journalism goes? Which one of the protesters comments on at one point? It's mm. like it takes a like this is the state of our media that a sporting paper is the one you know calling the government to account. It's a bit like when Teen Vogue stepped up to the yes. plate a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly well, like that. Yeah. Um, I think one. I do think one last thing people should know is that it can be quite graphic uh, at yeah. points. Uh, there is a it, footage from the fire in particular that is, and and some wounds that and, is, and as those, horrific um, as a documentary can be. Maggots. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some there's some gnarly images. So truly yeah, just... horrific, but also quite spectacular to have this footage oh, all yeah. in one place to tell the story. It's the most effective way of telling it, but yeah, it is quite horrible. Um, but yeah, the director obviously got such a significant measure of trust from the journalists and 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 the minister that um, that couldn't have been easy to earn. And it's just yeah, this is a brilliant work. Um, it's beautifully done. So Collective is now screening exclusively at Cinema Nova in Carlton. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Triple R on FM, digital, online, via the app. 
You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Will Cox, Glenn Dunks, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. So, uh, please join us in the cinema for our second film of the evening. You always seem somehow to get your own way, don't you? Oh, come on, it's cosy. No, it's ridiculous. No, it's not. It's nice. Oh, you're in the middle of the fucking bed, I'm isn't it? I'm on the edge. Now I'm more on the edge. <laughs> Are you okay? That's it. I'm sleeping in the No, you, no, 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 no. Come on, come on, come on. Come over here. Come here, come here. Yeah, we'll move over a bit. All right, all right. <laughs> Supernova is the second feature film written and directed by Harry McQueen. Concert pianist Sam, Colin Firth, and author Tusker, Stanley Tucci, have been loving partners for 20 years, but are now setting off in a fully equipped RV with their dog, Ruby, on a trip around England's Lake District, visiting family and friends, stopping by old haunts on the way, because Tusker is two years into a battle with early-onset dementia, and he isn't going to get better. These two reminisce, bicker, and spend as much time with each other as possible, as they're all too gravely aware, every waking minute, that their time together is quickly running out. Glenn, did you survive this celestial explosion with your heart intact? Oof. Uh... It it may it may make me sound cold, but I did. Um, yeah, look, okay. So I sat when I sat down to watch this movie. I I thought to myself, okay, Supernova, like the name, the very name itself. Uh, like, okay, I get it. I I get the reference. You're, he's a dying star. How very poetic. Uh, but I thought to myself, look, if at any point in this movie someone pulls out a telescope or a star map or gives a monologue about how we're all made of stardust, I think I'll scream. And uh, listeners, I screamed. (laughs) (laughs) It is so leaden. Oh, my my gosh. I mean, I know it's very harrowing stuff, and it is. There are, there's some really, there really are some quite devastating moments uh, throughout this film, but I found just, quite a lot of it to be very trite perhaps is a polite way of, of, of saying it. Um, I, I, I didn't buy the, these two as a romantic couple or a sexual couple. And I think that is actually, that's the biggest flaw in the film. I think there's opening, there's these opening stretches where uh, Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci are just sort of, talking amongst one another and they do have a very uh lovely friendly rapport and i would expect that considering they are i don't know if they're best friends but you know they're very close friends uh but i don't think that translated into something that was that was believable as a couple as uh like i said as a romantic or uh sexual couple and i know that quite a bit of there's always quite a bit of discussion, but it seems to be happening more and more these days around the idea of casting straight actors in in roles anywhere along the LGBTIQ uh, spectrum, I suppose you could call it. Um, and I don't always necessarily subscribe to the belief that own, that only queer actors can play queer roles. Uh, I think that's a very limiting point of view but I think in this case I 
I, it just comes back to, well, I never got it from these two that they were, that they'd been in love, you know, deep romantic love, the kind that you need to be in to be in a 20-year relationship. Uh, considering where this story goes, I never for a second believed that they wanted to jump each other's bones, certainly, which, um, to be fair, they're very, they are very handsome men, and I would have liked that from a purely from... from Tucci with his shirt off. What's a, going on a, there? That was a little gratuitous, oh. maybe. Oh, well, hey, if, if, I was, Everyone, if I was 60 and looked like that, I would go for the gratuitous I shot. Think if I was 60 and looked like that, I'd put that in my contract. There's, there's <laughs> yeah. a shirt off. It doesn't really fit in here, Stanley. I'm sorry, but there's a shirt off scene. <laughs> Stanley Tucci, who knew? Ah, <laughs> uh, I think I think gay audience, model, <laughs> <isn't he? laughs> which is why it's model. sort of so disappointing uh, <laughs> that um, yeah they seemed more like just casual friends, like going out on a on a road trip rather than lovers, life partners uh, going out for potentially their last ever uh, experience as a together in the in the world um, and. Uh, what I am not aware if the director Harry McQueen is uh, where he lies, but from uh, I did read one interview uh, with him on a website called Queerity.com, which very heavily implied that he too uh, identifies as uh, heterosexual. Right, and I think that may also actually be potentially some. The reason I, that it doesn't work because I, I feel even with uh, straight actors like say Ammonite uh, early this year, uh, sorry, late last year, um, even with films with straight actors, if there is a if there's a queer voice to mm. it, I think it picks up some of the smaller moments, uh, some some of the uh, just the everyday realities of uh, of being. Uh, in this case, uh, gay men. Mm. Um, and I just don't think the film caught that. And so ultimately the film sort of feels like it's just about these two very middle-class, uh, two middle-class men who, are, you know, they're British, they're very stoic, they don't want to talk about their feelings. Uh or oh, I guess Tucci's American, but mm. he has the he has the British uh, uh, the British uh, way of, of of speaking in the film. Um, yeah, and I just don't, and it felt very closed off. It didn't. It just did not work for me. And the place that it goes to at the very end, I'm not going to give that away, obviously. But it almost felt like. Uh, it felt a bit cruel. I felt to to uh, one of the characters. Um, uh, it's obvious. It's a bit difficult to discuss, hmm. but I felt yeah, its ending wasn't satis- uh, wasn't satisfying. Uh, their relationship wasn't satisfying, and yes, this is the third film in I think six months where people have talked about how we're all made of stardust, and I'm quite frankly, I'm sick of it. <laughs> Glenn, I. <sighs> I feel like Were I, you surprised? I feel, no, I feel like I've been punked because I'm looking at – because I thought I, – I looked at a, a – we follow each other at a little site called Letterboxd and yeah. I looked at a review that you wrote of this film and thought, oh, we're pretty much in agreement. And now, I, and now you've rocked up here and you've completely gone in the opposite direction. 
I have. <laughs> I feel like a journalist. Yeah, I have. Been, no, because <laughs> I, I, it's one of those films where I feel like the more I've thought about it, the mm. less I have liked it. In in the moment, I was, you know, it's very beautiful to look at. Uh, as we have said, you know, two very handsome handsome dudes. Uh, it, it does have some really quite affecting uh, scenes revolving around Tucci and the, the loss of not just his uh his memory but also his the the loss of him being able to do the very thing that he loves to do which is right mm. uh but the more that i've thought about it and upon a rewatch uh, for this uh for this little radio show here i found myself uh far cooler on it than i had initially uh, I had initially found myself. So, uh, look, it's 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 disappointing to me. I really I, <laughs> I I would have I would have loved to have been able to come on here and, and tell people to go see a a rare experience of a film about two older uh, queer people and the very realities of of what of of aging uh, can take on on it, but. I, I must say, no, I was, uh, I, I've grown more disappointed with it the more I think about it, unfortunately. Just on the, um, the notion that you talk about ageing as a big part of it, it is, there are very few films that really talk about mature relationships. That is, mature people, they're both in their late 50s, and relationships that have been established for decades or more. Um, and so this is quite rare in that regard. Mm. And while I... I'm with you. I didn't really see them as a sexual couple. They have been married for 20 years. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not, true. Yeah. I'm not quite uh, sure. But we have established that Tucci has, still has the goods. He still, <laughs> he still has the goods, and I'm sure Firth does, uh, depending, <laughs> taste dependent. He can, he can wear a sweater, like, better than anybody. Firth? Firth, he could yeah, Sweater and glasses. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. interesting that they, on the poster, and I have to admit to reading the poster, very quickly on the escalator down, you know, to the Woolworths <laughs> underneath the Nova. So I thought I, re- I thought it was director of the, the film Forty Five Years, and I thought, oh hell yeah, I'm I'm, I'm in. I that. thought it was an Andrew Haig film too. But it's until not. The end. It's the producers of Forty Five oh. Years. If anybody didn't see Forty Five Years, it's the only other film in recent years that really takes uh, older people's relationships seriously. Mm. I think it's a spectacular film. Yeah. Um, oh, it's great. Similar I, I, rural British setting and a couple who uh, a sort of trauma. It's a lot of also about memory comes in and, and, and cuts a wedge into their relationship. But I always um, thought they, they made it two gay characters because if it was a straight couple, it would almost look identical to 45 years. While it's dealing with different themes... They look the look of these two films very sparse, but very yeah. I can see beautiful why they, and grey. I, I can I, see why they want to link them together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, by reputation, I think Forty Five Years is a bit colder than this. I think this is a very warm film. Yeah, it's certainly more of a weepy. Yeah, you know, mm. it's an emotional, uh, uh, emotionally manipulative. You might say if you were less general. I actually quite I enjoyed it a lot more than mm. than Glenn did. I don't know. We might be on par. I'm, yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I was really taken by this film. I see one of the things I read in your review that, that it was something I'd actually said, like, I, the thing after after seeing it, I loved, I actually loved the how lived in the relationship felt. Mm. Yeah, and 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 they, to me, they, they their dynamic, um, 
the, the the all of the bickering and the and and the love and the kind of the the knowing each other like it just all felt very relatable in so many ways yeah. and they definitely felt like people who had known each other for 20 years yeah. i think that's how long the characters and, to have been together and felt IRL love for they probably other. have known each other yes, for 20 exactly. years yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. and and i i felt love between them as well you know and whether that's you know friendship love or whatever but i i, I don't know i felt romantic love between the two of them i don't know i was convinced perhaps more than you were glenn um and I liked the way I don't know. I always felt that this film had so many opportunities. I mean, okay, conversation about stars aside, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that one. But I, I felt that often the, this film had the chance to kind of land those sort of clumsy emotional hammer blows and didn't. I thought it actually yeah. handled it beautifully, and I like it. Even went out at the point that you wanted it to kind of go out on. It's like no, any more than this would be overrigging mm. it. And it's like no. Um, yeah, I I thought it was actually relatively restrained, and um, the central two performances are beautiful, particularly um, um, Tucci. Um, there's a couple of moments there that just lock in on expression, and he's just heartbreaking in small gestures. But mm. yeah, I don't know. I I just found this. Uh, yeah, I, I found this genuinely affecting. I mean, look, if it's if it's remit was to be a weepy, it worked on me. <laughs> but um, but yeah, um, I I enjoyed this a lot. I thought the uh, I thought the settings in the landscape were really beautifully done. It was it looks beautiful, you know. It's not overwrought uh, in its beauty, but it, it looks beautiful. But yeah, it's it's quite it's melodramatic. But you know, that's that's there's room for that. Yeah, I yeah. Think, you know. Um. So Supernova is now screening at all good cinemas. Uh, you're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Independently yours, Triple R. One hundred two point seven. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Glenn Dunks, Will Cox, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. Now join us in the cinema for our final film of the evening. Look, we play dialogue from every film we review here. Gunda is the 11th feature documentary directed by Viktor Kosakovsky. In a film without dialogue, music, words or colour, we merely observe the day-to-day interactions of a mother sow named Gunda, her dozen piglets, two ingenious cows and a one-legged chicken, reminding us of the inherent value of life and the mystery of all animal consciousness, including our own. Will, did this quiet, hypnotically mundane goings-on at this monochrome farm draw you under its spell? Um, it, it's quiet and hypnotically mundane, I'd say. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, no, I I loved it. I mean, it's really like um, it's it is hypnotic is the word. It's kind of like um, the film equivalent of a post rock album. <laughs> you know, it's 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 kind of you know it it feels long at ninety minutes, but mm-hmm. it also feels sort of really sort of tight and contained. No humans at any point. No music. No narration. Uh, just animals mm. and man-made no structures, color. and no color, mm. and man-made structures, fences, sheds, cages, electric fence at one point, mm-hmm. a vehicle. Uh, it, it's um, yeah, it's quite striking. I don't think I've ever seen it, any of that uh, done before, uh, all in the one place. Um, I a lot's been said about how it's been called the best documentary of the year and things like that. I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I didn't quite 
grab me. It felt like mm. it started and then left, you know? Mm. Um, but, there, you know, it's got its majestic moments. I think by the time the cows come out about halfway through, it's, it's quite powerful. Mm. And it has been a very long time since I've spent time just with farm animals. Yeah. And not uh, anybody else and not, uh, you know, had any other draws on my time. I've got 90 minutes. I'm just sitting. I'm living with this experience just for, just for the moment. Glenn? Um, yeah, like, I mean, I guess I should give my kudos to the film's distributor, like, right off the bat. I believe it's Umbrella Films. Mm-hmm. You, I could never have imagined uh, a wordless black and white documentary about pigs getting a theatrical release outside of a film festival, and yet here we are. Um, it just, I mean, it does sort of read like a checklist of festival uh you know the the you know the sort of things you would expect from a from uh, the sort of film that you know the real festival diehards go to. Mm. You've mentioned the one-legged chicken, and there's the <laughs> repeated shots of like of Gunda's like udders just shaking around like mm. like crazy. Um, there, there's like just a whole scene of just a, of one of the piglets urinating. It's like uh, it yeah. it almost feels like a bit of an art house piss take. <laughs> pardon the pun, um, but. I, I think I agree with both of you. It's, I found it, you know, it's very, yes, hypnotic and it's uh, really interesting. I almost don't want to know how they made it, uh, but Carl uh, behind the scenes kind of gave it away yeah. <laughs> during the ads. Um, I guess I don't really know what I was meant to take away from it. Um, Joaquin Phoenix is, an, is a producer, an executive producer, executive producer. So I assume it's meant to be a pro-vegan film by the by the end you know as i don't think it's a spoiler to say that you know the circle of life eventually will take its uh course the um, unnatural and it, and it gets very life, and it yeah. is very affecting um but i already sort of assume i i don't know maybe that's just me but i already sort of assumed that animals had those relationships with their with their uh, offspring, uh, so I'm not quite. Yeah, was, was it meant to be pro-vegan? Was it meant to be what? What? Like, I don't know why it was made in black and white. It just was. Uh, I'm <laughs> not. I, 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 I enjoyed it, but I wasn't quite sure what I was uh, meant to take away from it. Uh, but it's an interesting experience, nonetheless. Yeah, it was. It, it is sort of. I mean, I think Joaquin certainly um, putting his weight behind it for that reason. The director is clearly pro animal rights and pro you know, kind of, you know, he said he didn't set out to make a propaganda film. He's just kind of showing what it is, but mm-hmm. the, the message is implicit. And I saw an interview with him online where he got very emotional about what the world was doing in terms of, you know, um, lack of resources and, and the tonnage of meat and all uh, the, that Americans eat and all this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I had a similar reaction. I, I think there are certain people who just I love watching animals and are fascinated with animals. <laughs> and I am that to a point. I, I, I can do that for about five minutes and I'm like, all right, now I'm good. I'm going to do something else. And this is – so it's like this – if this were half the length, I think I would enjoy it a lot more. I think at 93 minutes it felt like a bit of a – like I got very distracted. Um, but yeah, if there was more of the one-legged chicken, yeah, that, that would have been great. <laughs> but no, uh, the, the piglets are adorable. Um, yeah, the ending has a desired effect. 
um, and and it is quite um, moving. But yeah, and and it is beautiful to look at. But yeah, it only go it, it sort of goes so far with me, and then it sort of becomes a little bit tedious. But it does about it being released to cinemas. I'll just say very quickly that it feels like a post COVID wholesome thing. Like like people slow need cinema. To be, yeah, slow cinema with animals and just be you know soothed. So if you want to be soothed by slow cinema with animals, Gunda is now screening at Cinema Nova, The Lido, The Classic, and Cameo Belgrave. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R. Triple R. You're listening to Primal Screen on Triple R, or you have been listening to Primal Screen on Triple R with Will Cox, Glenn Dunks, and myself, Paul Anthony Nelson. We checked out Collective, now screening exclusively at Cinema Nova, Supernova. Uh, not the Cinema Nova, but Supernova the film, now screening at all good cinemas, and Gunda, now screening at Cinema Nova, Lido Cinemas, Classic Cinemas, and Cameo Belgrave. You can also subscribe to the Primal Screen podcast via iTunes or wherever else you find your favourite podcasts. Next week, Flick Ford returns to join me for a very special episode of Primal Screen. It's our Melbourne Knowledge Week special, where we forego the reviews, news and music and bring in some very special guests for a one-hour discussion about what changes, challenges and even opportunities lay ahead for our film industry, both in front of and behind the camera in our new COVID normal reality. It's going to be a great chat you won't want to miss. A huge thank you to Morty Osborne for editing the Primal Screen podcast. Killer Carl Chapman for paneling the show and providing producing assistance. Thanks for listening to Primal Screen, a weekly radio show airing Monday evenings on Triple R. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast version and feel free to get in touch via the Primal Screen Facebook page or the Triple R website. 